Hi everyone, my name is Gabriel and this is the Hour of the Raven, your channel for everything Ravenloft, RPG, Dungeons and Dragons and horror. Today we will explore the domain of Mordant, a coastal region filled with swamps and ancient forests, shrouded by mists and haunted by restless spirits. Before we begin, I would like to remind everyone that this video will focus on the Mordant of the classic Ravenloft setting and will consider the events and characters that existed in the domain prior to the Von Richten Guide to Ravenloft reboot. At the end of my video coverage of Modern from the classic Ravenloft setting, I will make some considerations and comparisons with the new version of Modern in the Von Richten Guide to Ravenloft. Are you ready? In search for a cure for the curse of lycanthropy, we enter yet another unknown land of the mists. We must seek the help of the renowned expert Dr. Rudolf von Richten, or the support of the priestess of Hala. Our journey is a race against time, and we must explore this new domain before the next full moon rises in the sky. Mordant is a Ravenloft domain that is presented as an idyllic and haunted place. Those who wander through its villages and country roads come across the imposing and decaying buildings of a forgotten past in a haunted environment that is perfect for gothic horror and ghost stories. The domain is set in the Renaissance era and is one of the most culturally advanced domains in the core of the Land of the Mists. Mordant was first introduced in the adventure I-10, The House of the Griffon Hill, a continuation of the module I-6, Ravenloft, that was released before the Ravenloft camping setting even existed. While the original adventure I-6, Ravenloft, presented us Count Strahd as a reimagining of Dracula in Valachia or Transylvania. The direct inspiration for the House of the Griffon Hill adventure was the moment when Count Dracula arrives in Whitby, the English countryside. However, this adventure didn't just draw from the source of Bram Stoker's novel and featured a melting pot of gothic references, with themes such as insane asylums, body possession, haunted mansions, and even the separation of identities through a machine called Apparatus as in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde novel. All these elements were incorporated into the modern presented by the Ravenloft campaign setting, and the cultural reference of this domain is inspired by the English countryside. The domain of modern is located in the western region of the core of Ravenloft, the continent where most of the domains that compose the setting are clustered, and is located on the coast. In the past, Morden bordered the Sea of Sorrows to the west, the realm of the Molyu to the north, the Miss Border to the south, and Richmorough and the lands of Arkandale to the east. After the Grand Conjunction, its southern border came into contact with the domain of Valakan, and the domain of Arkandale was absorbed by the Verbrex domain. Morden's climate is temperate but has cold temperatures during most of the year, and its proximity to the coast 
makes the region suffer powerful storms. Its humid climate and rain makes the region covered by numerous moors, bogs and swamps. These lands are also constantly covered by thick mist, and some locals claim that this mist can distort distances and cause people to get lost during voyages. Mordant was once a thriving and populous region, but today it is easy to see that this moment is in the distant past. Most of the population is concentrated in Mordant Shire, its largest city located in Arden Bay, and the rest are scattered throughout numerous small villages and farms. The region can be divided between swamps and ancient forests, which demarcate almost the entire extension of its territory. In the north of Morden, close to the border with the Moru, we find the Forest of the Ancients. This forest is marked by the presence of huge evergreen trees, and despite the large amount of timber it could provide, it remains untouched by mankind. Local inhabitants of the region fear that the forest is haunted, and that attempts to settle in the region are thwarted by some supernatural force. This was once the home of the Boistribu family, but the location of their now abandoned ancestral manor has been lost on the maps. Superstitious people claim that the mansion itself can change its location, and that it hunts invaders of the forest. To the south of the Forest of the Ancients, we find the Great Moor, a large swampland that appears to be permanently covered by a layer of mists. The crossing of this place is very difficult and almost impossible outside its precarious road, and little effort has been made to try to occupy the region. Locals claim that the swamp is slowly and gradually growing, and attribute this expansion of the marshes to an ancient curse of the aristocratic Westcott family. The coast of Morland is dominated by impressive white chalk cliffs, and these cliffs to the north are known as the Pale Lady, and to the south as the Ashen Man. These high walls and cliffs are only interrupted by the Arden Bay, an opening where the river flows into the sea. Protected by the sea walls, this bay of grey water is placid and suitable for maritime navigation, and is home to Modern Shire, the main city of the region. Despite the calm waters of the bay, however, the houses are built far away from its shores. As once or twice a year, big storms transform the tranquil cove into a turbulent sea with giant waves. To the south of the Arden Bay region, we find the lightless wood, although it does not have tall ancient trees like the forest of the ancients, the dense vegetation of the trees in this region form a thick canopy, creating an area of constant twilight. This canopy and the constant humidity make this forest retain the constant mist of mordant in their interior, making the journey along their trails dangerous and treacherous. When the lightless wood finally gives way, we are faced with the Great Heathland, a muddy swampy region that stretches for many miles. Cold wind ravages these swamps, 
and it is not uncommon for it to carry strange ghostly sounds. This sinister aspect is only made more frightening by the amount of strange beast tracks we find in the mudflats. Despite the bleak aspect of this region, many modern fish use this location to settle their farms and crops, struggling with the soggy muddy soil to produce their food. Finally, to the southeast of Mordant, where the Arden River and the Wolfen River met, we find the Vale of Twilight, a rugged region filled with wet and muddy forests, constantly shrouded in mists. The hills and woods of this region are marked by the large number of cemeteries, once under the care of the Mornsworth family and now abandoned and sometimes the top of high mausoleums is all that can be seen above the mists. Mordant is crossed by two rivers. The Wolfram rivers come from the wilds of Verbrek, but soon becomes a tributary of the Arden river that comes from Valakan, which flows through forests and swamps of Mordant until it reaches the Arden Bay. The Arden river has deep water and strong currents, but its cold, grey and icy waters are navigable, and it has become an important trade and transport route between Valakan and Mordent, and ferries carry passengers across its banks. Mordent has numerous vicinal roads, but only two main roads traverse its length, and they are known for their precariousness conditions and lack of repairs. The Mule Road enter Mordant from the north and connects the domain of Demolu to Mordantshire. Despite its dismal state, it is the only road linking Mordant to the north and is not uncommon for storms and floodings to temporarily detain travelers in remote regions. The other road of note is the South Road, which connects the domain of Valakan in the south to the city of Mordantshire, following the course of the Arden River and across the Great Heathland. This road is more leveled and better maintained, and is an important trade route with Valakan, as well as a means for farmers of the region to export their produce. Mordant doesn't have a rich flora, and most of its vegetation is typical of swamps and moors, that grows in its muddy and waterlogged areas. Sometimes a lone tree manages to find a more solid ground, it is not uncommon to find willows in the area. In forests, however, it is possible to find a greater variety of trees and undergrowth. In the forest of the ancients, you can find gigantic evergreens, and one of their low shrubs of vegetation produces a dark red berry colored the devil's tears. This berry can be used as a strong pepper and has many gastronomic uses. It is not uncommon for young modern to use these berries to prank friends, squeezing them into drinks or food to see the reaction of their victims when they notice they ingest this powerful pepper. Another very famous plant in the region can be found only in the lightless wood or near graves in old cemeteries. The rate root is a white flower that grows in the densest regions of the lightless wood and can be easily found on moonlit nights, as it seems to glow in contact with the moonlight. Modern 
believe that these plants absorb energy from the spirit world, and that a tea made with wraithood that was harvested on a new moon night in a cemetery will allow an individual to see into the spirit world. The fauna of Mordant is typical of a temperate climate and coastal region. Animals such as rabbits, serpents, seagulls, deer, foxes and wild boar can be found in the region, as well as a large number of wolves. Mordantish believe that killing a wolf will bring bad luck to your home until the last member of the pack is exterminated, and because of this, these animals are rarely hunted. Most of the population of Mordant fear the supernatural and believe that the constant mists that cover this realm hold all kinds of horrors, such as spectral ferrymen, ghosts and monsters formed by the mists themselves. Mordant's population is composed almost entirely of humans, who are descended from the same group of ancestors. Although in the past these lands were settled by foreigners, the isolation of the mists has long since made the blood of aristocrats and commoners to intermingle, and few physical traces remain that are considered to be legacies of aristocratic descent. The difficulties imposed to survive in a region of cold, humid and inhospitable climate made the people of Morden a pragmatic community, strongly united, but extremely suspicious of outsiders. While they don't give in to superstition that non-human races are monstrous and dangerous, elves, dwarves, gnomes and halflings are viewed with suspicion and rarely settle in these areas. Even humans from other realms and nationalities are viewed with reservations by the Mordantish community, who view these people of neighboring nations with suspicion. The people of the Moru are said to be frivolous and scandalous, the people of Rishmuro to be noisy and prone to intrigues, the people of Valakan to be rude and savage, and the accursed people who reside in Verbrek are not to be trusted. Mordant's people are tall and fair-skinned, and generally slender. Slim angular faces are signs of an aristocratic heritage, while peasants tend to have a more muscular body and a rounder face. Most of the population has blue or green eyes, with some people having entirely grey eyes, and they are colored children of the mists. The practicality of the population of Morden makes them, in general, reject the fashion trends of the Moru, and they adopt a more sober look. The general population dresses in dark colors, with men wearing breeches and loose shirts, and women wearing simple dresses and leather aprons. Both sexes wear long coats, cloaks or shawls to protect themselves from the cold and the use of hats is common, with men preferring the tree-corn hat. Slightly lighter and colorful colors can be seen in women's dresses on festive occasions, but men wear dark overcoats, using color only in handkerchiefs in their pockets, which are usually the same color as their wives' dresses, if they are married. It is common for men to wear their hair short, 
and many adopt the use of a cane with varying degrees of ornament to denote their social status. Women wear their hair long, usually tied back or adorned with curls, braids and bows on festive occasions. The language, currently called Mordentish, was born from the fusion of two other languages, the result of a remote past when Mordent was colonized by foreigners. It is divided in two dialects. Low Mordentish is spoken by most of those who speak this language and is considered a language of commoners and used in everyday life in most towns and cities. The High Mordentish dialect is preferred by the elite and aristocracy for its sound and elegance. This dialect is quite versatile and has spread among the most advanced domains of the core, being associated with literature and academy. Most of the population of Mordent live a life of hard work but are proud of their condition. They usually get up before sunrise and after breakfast begin to work in the fields or other tasks until lunch when they gather in their homes or taverns for a meal. After this brief rest, they return to activities until the end of the afternoon where they have the habit of meeting for a cup of tea, at which time they dedicate themselves to social visits and courtship. At night, they gather in taverns for lively conversations, where they drink beer and have the last meal of the day. The life of an aristocrat is not much different, and the nobility of Mordent are known for their dedication to administering and managing their lands. Although the quality of their meals or the refinement of their afternoon tea is greater, they meet side by side with the common population in the taverns at night. Most of Mordent's population is educated at home, and they learn to read and write notions of arithmetic, local history, geography and religion. Teaching is a task usually entrusted to the women in the family. Some large villages have small centers of education, and the aristocracy usually hire private tutors or send their children to study at other centers of study in foreign lands. Marriages in Mordent are treated as practical matters, although forced marriages are not practiced and the wishes of the couple are considered, young people are heavily influenced by their families to observe practical criteria to elect their betrothal. Young people of marriageable age are allowed to frequent the taverns, where they can chat under the watchful eyes of their elders, and courtship often take place in the form of letters delivered to suitors on tea-time visits. A family of one of the candidates can exercise its power to prevent an unwanted marriage, and modern society does not tolerate divorce. Modernish people have great respect for their elders, and the word and opinion of someone more experienced is considered to be more valid. Modern cuisine is not known for any outstanding dishes, which may be due to the difficulties encountered in farming on the region. Their diet includes many soups, toasts, bacon, and potato stews. Modern cities usually are built around town squares, where churches and taverns are located. Its exchequer, given the scarcity of stone in the region, 
is almost entirely composed of wooden constructions. Simpler constructions adopt a mixture of wooden beams and putty, made of mud taken from the swamps, with thatched roofs. Houses of wealthier people are also made with wood, but have some structure and architectural details made of stone or metal, and roofs made with tiles. These constructions are usually on the fringes of cities, and this isolation is considered a sign of distinction and importance. Some exceptions can be found in this architectural style, and Morland has many luxurious mansions, made in a very refined and opulent architectural style, using a lot of stone, glass and metal. Most of these abodes date from a distant past, before Morland was swallowed up by the mists, revealing that the region was once thriving. Currently, most of these buildings are in ruins, having been abandoned after tragedy struck the wealthy aristocratic families who lived there. The Mordentish view of arcane magic is cautious. While they do not directly attack someone for just being a magic user, they believe that arcane magic emanates from supernatural forces that can corrupt an individual. While they recognize that it can be a powerful tool, they often keep their distance from individuals who engage in such studies and activities. Divine magic, in turn, is seen as something essential and of great importance. The people of Morden have great fear of restless spirits and supernatural manifestations, and find relief in their devotion to the fate of Ezra. The fate of Ezra has taken root in Morden and won the heart of its people since it was established. It was in the lands of Morden that Yaakov de Lisnia had his first great revelation of the fate and is also in Morden that the second sect of the fate was established, when the first schism with the modern church of Borca took place. This sect headquarters is the chapel of pure hearts, but every village in Morden, no matter how small, always has an anchorite as its spiritual leader. These anchorites are very influential with the pious population, and often even more influential than magistrates or sheriffs. The fate of Hala is also practiced in Morland, but this ancient creed lost ground as the Church of Ezra grew in influence. Although not openly persecuted, the priestesses of Hala concealed their religious practices and present themselves as hermit herbalists and sages. Another aspect that must be considered in the culture of Mordant is the fear of the supernatural and the presence of restless spirits. This fear of ghosts has generated a range of funeral customs to appease the spirits of the recently deceased that must be strictly observed. Upon the death of an individual, all the clocks in the house must be stopped and must only be reactivated after the burial. During funerals, all windows must be opened to allow the spirit to leave the home. The eyes of the dead must always be closed, and mirrors must be covered. Cats must be kept inside the residence to serve as guardian for the dead, and dogs must be placed at the door 
outside the house to guide the soul of their masters. Finally, the full name of a dead person should never be said, even after the funeral, otherwise it will attract their attention. Mordant is a hereditary aristocracy, but its current system of government is in decline. In the past, the leaders and settlers of these lands divided the region of Mordant between different aristocratic families, who were responsible for administering these lands. However, over the years, these families went into decline, and many lineages disappeared. Currently, only the Wadamay family remains in power, but even this family is going through a crisis. The aging Lord Jews will soon be no longer able to rule and the other members of its family refuse to assume the mantle of leadership. Officially, the Wadamays do not have the standing to act as leaders of the entire region of Mordant, being official rulers only of the region of Mordantshire in the Ardent Bay. Despite this formal aspect, the last aristocrats of Mordant have the respect of the population and act as effective representatives of the nation when necessary. It was Lord Jules Wadamay who signed the Treaty of the Four Towers, including Mordant as one of the allied nations against Falkovnia's attacks and invasions. The Wadamays may still pass decrees to impose taxes and legal matters, but they know their authority is tenuous, and they rule the region loosely, without much interference. The real administration of cities and towns rests with the mayors. In Mordenshire, the appointment of the mayor is the exclusive prerogative of the Wadamay family. In the towns and villages to the north of Mordenshire, the position of mayor is hereditary, but to the south of the region, the cities adopt the custom of electing a mayor through an election in which only the landowners of the region vote. The mayor is responsible for collecting taxes, enforcing Lord Julius Wadamay's decree, and managing resources. The mayor also appoints two other authority figures, the magistrate and the sheriff. Magistrates are chosen for a 20-year term and often exercise their function even after the mayor who appointed them has been replaced. They are responsible for resolving and adjudicating disputes, and have the final word on disputes, unless one chooses to appeal to the authority of Lord Jules. The sheriff, on the other hand, is the armored wing of the law, and he is responsible for ensuring order and promoting the defense of the city if necessary. The sheriff obeys the orders of the mayor and magistrate but usually has the autonomy to exercise his functions, and to elect or hire other men to act as his officers in the city guard. Modern prides itself on having a self-sufficient economy. The domains agriculture and livestock are almost all destined for subsistence. The realm does not usually import products from neighboring nations, and does not let itself be influenced by the luxury and fashion market of the Molu and use few artisanal products from Richemulaw. This situation can be easily noticed after a tour through some of its villages, and by the insular attitude of its inhabitants. Modern has some export products, 
the region exports wool to neighboring kingdoms, and the beers produced in Morden has become famous along many parts of the western coast. The region's fishing activities generate considerable maritime trade of seafood with the realm of the Molly. Aden Bay has some shipbuilding docks, and modern ships are sought after for their strength and versatility. Finally, the coastal cliffs are also mined for chalk, which is exported to academies and educational centers. After traveling through the misty and haunted landscapes of Morden, we finally enter the Arden Bay and arrive in the city of Mordenshire. After asking for directions, we arrive at the herbal shop of the renowned monster hunter and occult scholar, Dr. Rudolf von Richten. To our surprise, however, we could not find its owner. We are informed of the tragic news that Dr. Rudolf von Richten has been missing for some years and that not even his closest friends have any news of his fate or whereabouts. Having not found a renowned expert of the occult, or any signs of the presence of the witches of Hala, we realized that our journey to Mordent was in vain. For a while, we wandered in desolation through the cold streets of the port city, planning our next steps. The insular residents of the region watch our wandering with suspicion. We stop in front of an old building that houses the modern historical society, where records of this desolate land's glorious past are kept, and an idea pops into our minds. Perhaps the records of the past can tell us where to find the location of the witches of Hala, who lost their influence in modern in the face of the growth of the Church of Ezra. Join us, subscribe to this channel, and turn on notifications, and let's explore the past of these lands, shrouded in mysteries, curses, and supernatural horrors.